1: Today is Sunday, January 10th, 2021. On this day in 1645, the Archbishop of Canterbury, William Laud, was beheaded in London. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's events, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of executions that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today we're covering the execution of William Laud, the Archbishop of Canterbury. Let's go back to London, England on January 10th, 1645. A cold winter wind blew up the River Thames into the English capital. Even behind the heavy stone walls of the Tower of London, the prisoners felt the chill in the air. No one felt it more than 71-year-old William Laud, the Archbishop of Canterbury. The short, balding clergyman had been held in the Tower for close to five years, and today he was leaving for good except Laud wasn't getting his freedom back, or at least not the type of freedom that he wanted. After being dragged from his cell, Laud was ushered out of the prison across a deep moat and into the streets of London. There, the disgraced archbishop was met with crowds that had been gathering all morning. People hurled insults, curses, and an occasional rotten turnip at his head he was truly one of the most hated men in England. Laud was escorted through the throngs of Londoners to Tower Hill, a green knoll across from the prison. Even larger crowds were waiting there. Some VIPs were packed into makeshift bleachers while commoners stood shoulder to shoulder in the open field. Everyone jockeyed for position to see the center of attention, a large wooden scaffolding. Atop the structure was not the usual gallows that many people came to see. Today, there was a heavy wooden block, stained, deep crimson. But Archbishop Laud couldn't see it yet. The route to the scaffolding was choked with people, who towered over his diminutive figure. He could scarcely see where he was. Guards had to clear a route for the hobbling old man. Along the way, more people cursed at him and spit. After several minutes of abuse, Laud finally reached the makeshift stage. He ascended the rickety stairs until he looked out over the sea of people. Observers noted that Laud didn't look like a condemned man. Instead, he still seemed like a bishop tending his congregation. He calmly removed a piece of folded parchment from his pocket. He then read a sermon to the crowd. After citing a few Bible verses, Laud went on to say that he had run his race to the best of his ability. Then, with defiance in his voice, he asserted his innocence. However, he made it clear that he had made peace with his fate. When the archbishop was done speaking to the crowd, he asked for an area to be cleared around the chopping block so he would have room to die— He also noticed spectators under the scaffolding's floorboards. They were staring up at him, waiting for him to be killed. Laud requested that they be moved as well. He reasoned that he didn't want his blood to land on them, though perhaps it was an attempt to avoid looking citizens in the eyes during his last moments. Once the people were fully cleared, Laud placed his head on the wood block— He could feel the grooves and striations of numerous executions before him. Finally, he called out, Lord, receive my soul. At that, a cloaked axeman swung a heavy blade down and severed the archbishop's head cleanly off. It landed on the scaffolding with a thud. One of the government officials then lifted it by the scraggly hair to show the crowd. William Laud was dead. Coming up, the events that led up to Archbishop Laud's death and his controversial legacy. Listeners, have you heard the eerie new podcast, Superstitions?, Every Wednesday, explore the varying beliefs people around the world fear and follow in this mystifying series from Parcast. You do not want to miss it. Each week, step inside stories that illustrate the horror, weirdness, and truth behind humanity's strangest codes of conduct. Why do black cats represent witchcraft? What's the point of carrying a rabbit's foot around with you? And how come certain films seem cursed and others don't? Each new episode of Superstitions presents a story that unlocks the mysteries of unorthodox traditions and surreal phenomena. They may seem cryptic or illogical or completely insane, but then again, do they? Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Superstitions, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness.
1: It was January 10, 1645 in London, England. The headless corpse of 71-year-old Archbishop of Canterbury, William Laud, lay across the chopping block. His severed head was displayed for the crowd to see. Hundreds of spectators cheered and whistled. If they were close enough, they spat at the raised stage. Some even threw rotten cabbages and other vegetables at his bleeding body. It was a dark moment in the city of London, but it also marked justice for many who were persecuted by Archbishop Laud and his regime. To understand what precipitated this execution and deep hatred of this man, we need to go back 12 years to August of 1633. After the death of the previous Archbishop of Canterbury, an ambitious 59-year-old clergyman named William Laud was appointed to the highest position in the Anglican Church. In the years that followed, the new Archbishop instituted draconian religious measures throughout the country. He sought to extinguish Puritanism and all other offshoots of Christianity except for the Anglican Church. To accomplish his goal, Laud used every tool at his disposal. He employed censors to destroy books. He fined and imprisoned critics and Puritan leaders. And for some of his fiercest opponents, the punishments were even worse. On June 30th, 1637, one of Archbishop Laud's most outspoken critics, William Prynne was found guilty of libel. In addition to prison time and heavy financial fines, Prynne was escorted to the pillory. This archaic form of torture was a wooden structure where people's necks and wrists were locked tightly and were forced to stand for hours at a time. It gave citizens an opportunity to ridicule and throw rotten food at them. After Prin was released from the pillory, his ears were severed from his head. As a final coup de grace, they branded his cheeks with a red hot stamp. The letters SL were forever burned into his flesh. Archbishop Laud insisted that the letters stood for Seditious Libeler. But as the scars healed, Prynne euphemized that they represented the Latin words signa laudis, or sign of praise. Showing remarkable good spirit, Prynne also joked that it referred to stigmata laudis, translating to the marks of Laud. In the years that followed, the mutilation of William Prynne backfired on Laud, The small group of Puritan detractors soon grew into larger demonstrations. Uprisings formed around the kingdom. In 1639, Laud and the king were forced to send armies to Scotland to extinguish religious rebellions. These became known as the Bishop's Wars. Along with uprisings in Scotland, a groundswell of opposition against Laud strengthened back home even amongst high-ranking government leaders. In the spring of 1640, British Parliament turned their sights on Laud and his allies. Later that year, 67-year-old Laud was charged with treason and was banished to the Tower of London. Not long after, in 1641, Laud's main ally, the Earl of Strafford, was sentenced to death and executed. Laud expected to be next, but he languished in prison for the next three years. During this time, the majority of England was occupied with the outbreak of civil war. With bigger issues than an old clergyman on their minds, many government officials forgot about Laud. He might have served out the rest of his life in the Tower if it hadn't been for one figure from Laud's past. In 1644, William Pryn, his cheeks still scarred with the letters SL, spearheaded a trial against Laud. Prynne and a team of prosecutors laid out their case against the archbishop. They provided evidence and testimony from multiple witnesses. And yet, it was not enough to convict Laud. It seemed like the archbishop might go free. But in the months that followed... Parliament decided on a new strategy for punishing the old man. They abandoned the traditional trial process and enacted a bill of attainder. The bill nullified the archbishop's civil rights, confiscated his titles and property, and more importantly, sentenced him to death. After Laud's execution, history books were not kind to the archbishop. They condemned him as an example of unchecked religious power and a cautionary tale against censorship and religious intolerance. His lasting legacy is a powerful example that no one is above the law, even those who enforce them. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this, check out the Spotify original from ParCast, Assassinations. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from ParCast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kotovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Adam De Silva, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Bad omens? Good fortune? Pure luck? Take a closer look at what you believe in and follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Superstitions. New episodes air weekly, every Wednesday. Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.